Live from the Be Unique studios in the thriving metropolis of Merritt Island, Florida, it's Ask Mary, where she'll try to answer your questions. And remember, if she doesn't know the answer, she'll make them up. And now, here's Mary. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. It is Wednesday. It is two o'clock and you are listening to Jam Just Ask Mary. All right. We have questions that come in each and every week. And for today's question, we have one from Melissa from Bridgeport. Melissa asks, she has her eight-year-old child and her eight-year-old child has an imaginary friend. Now, she doesn't consider that anything to be unnerved about, but she's asking you, Mary, um, as an adult, uh, do you have an imaginary friend? <laughs> that's that's really a loaded question. I'm going to go back in time before I answer the actual question, because, you know, I'm never I am very straightforward. However, when it comes to these questions, sometimes I have to go do a little time travel. Okay. When I was four years old, my mother's aunt, her father's sister, told my mother to have me committed to an institution because I was four years old and I was in the yard talking to people that my great aunt could not see. And my mother said, leave her alone. She's just talking with angels. Well, then they wanted to commit my mother. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I, I do have what some people might consider as an adult imaginary playmates. Um, I have angels. I am surrounded by angels. I know the names of many of them. I had a very traumatic experience when I was in my late 30s. And it just involved church gossipers. And I really, I was having a very bad experience. And all of a sudden, four of, the, of, the, of my many angels came to me and introduced themselves. Um, a lot of people don't believe that happens, but if you believe that there's life after death, then you know that there are, are angels as well as dead people on the other side. And mine speak to me. Now, as for imaginary playmates, I am an, uh, I'm a writer, you know. Yes. I'm also, uh, I, I do journalistic typewriting, but I also have um, written two novels, unpublished yet. Um, the very first novel that I wrote, I wrote in 30 days. And it was, was that a goal? Not, was yeah. that a goal to write? Okay. NaNoWriMo, National oh, Novel right. Writers Month, that's November. Right. That's right. Uh, it, was, it was quite a challenge, quite interesting. I was working full time and uh, also still had volunteer work. I was working with a, um, a writer's group. I was the facilitator of that. And I, someone challenged me to write a novel in a month. And I said, I'm up for any challenge. Don't ever challenge me or dare me because I'm stupid enough to accept them, no matter how impossible. So what I did is I worked out an arrangement with my uh, employer so that on my lunch break, I had a full hour 
And I was, I got smart after the first couple of days I prepared, I had a, a separate office that no one was using and I could take my laptop in there and do my work. So I prearranged my office. I, I made myself a mug of hot tea and I carried a couple of energy bars. That was my lunch. And I would eat while I worked. So I had a solid hour every day, Monday through Friday, to write on my novel. My husband was very appreciative and understanding. And he uh, just let me come home and do my writing. And we had a lot of uh, frozen dinners during that time. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it was, it was too much trouble to even do takeout. So I did the, the frozen dinner thing. And thank goodness he likes Stouffer's lasagna. My uh, my point to all this is that during the time of this this particular mo- um, month, especially on Saturdays, you know, you just want to sleep in. And I'd wake up on Saturday morning really, really early, like, but crack a dawn early. And it would be because one of my characters was nudging me to get up, tell her story. And... Uh, I, I guess you could say that as a writer, I do have imaginary playmates, imaginary mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't tell you how many times this particular character would just wake me from a sound sleep and say, you've got to go write this. I would be obsessed with the idea of telling her story as if it was a real person. So, yeah, I have imaginary friends and I have very real friends and I think I'll never be lonely because I'm a reader and um, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten caught up in novels and thrillers. And I just read all these little exciting stories and I'm like, Oh, I am right there with you, buddy. 007 has got nothing on me, you know? Well, listen, let me ask you this. I'm just going to follow up her question real quick. I just, personal knowledge i want to know is there anything she should do to encourage it or should she just let it write itself out um my mother just let it write itself out she didn't encourage it nor did she discourage it as i got into adulthood she told me about it and made me very happy to know that she didn't just listen to the other, the, you know, the wiser people in her family who thought I was nuts. Um, there, there is a point, that I think, in a child's development where you have to know where the line is of this is imaginary and this is real or this imagination is taking them into the land of overfabrication or lies I actually know a couple of young, young, young men, both of them, um, who do lie. Uh, and they don't even know it. They're, they've got a, a neurological situation going on. Um, and both of them are actually family members. God bless us. You know, they, they, they spin yarns. And the the oldest one who's in his thirties now i've I've been in situations where he'll be telling a story about a situation in front of me and other people, 
And the other adults just roll their eyes because they know that what he's saying cannot possibly happen the way he says it, but he believes it. And the sad thing is, my mother used to say, if you always tell the truth, you never have to have a good memory. The truth never changes. A lie always does. So I would encourage, did you say Melissa? Melissa. Yes. Melissa. I would encourage Melissa to be mindful. If her son says, you know, my, my friend, George, in fact, my sister and I used to have um, imaginary brothers because we didn't like the ones that we were given. So we made up two guys to be our brothers. And one of them was George. Um, but let's just say his, her son's friend's name is George. Okay. And he's eight years old. So he's old enough to know the difference between a lie and the truth. Um, so today, George and I went fishing and we caught a shark that was 10 feet long and we just let it go. Well, that's great. You know, that thanks little Bobby for telling me that about you and, and your experience today. That was fun. Well, the next day, he comes back in and yesterday George and I went fishing and we caught this shark that was 10 feet long and he ate George. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, should we have a memorial for George? Well, then the next day he comes back with another story and George is back in the story again. George is no longer in the belly of the shark. So, as long as he's got an imagination, I think it should be encouraged highly because that's where creativity lies. But then when George becomes the fall guy for little Bobby's, um, George threw away my homework, you know, or George um, was too busy or George needed my help and I couldn't finish my chores. When George becomes the bad boy, the bad influence, then I think the mother may need to step in and have a conversation about reality, imagination, and truth-telling. So Melissa should be really attuned to what is being said, and she should really be looking or listening to what is being explained as to decipher what's imagination and what's an excuse. Yes. Also, if George starts encouraging her son to take uh, very dangerous risks, like George said, I don't have to look both ways crossing the street. Or George said, I can fly. So I'm up on the roof and I'm right. going to, oh, no. you know, oh, no. that's when you've oh, got no. a problem. <laughs> And I think this is going to see that. I think most children understand the difference between imagination, reality, and um, the laws of gravity. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I do think kids are more, I, I do think at that young of an age, I think kids are more attuned to, you know, what you mentioned earlier, which I found it, you know, I find extremely fascinating talking to angels. Yeah. Talking to angels. And I, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Mary, you know, all the answers, but I think that, you know, because of the early 
um, development of kids and their open their openness to suggestion in what the universe can offer, I think that really plays a part, don't you? Oh, absolutely. When we are born, we have come, you know, we, we've spent nine months coming into a physical state. We started out, I believe, this is my belief, and, and people can dispute it if they want to, but basically it's my show. So that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, I believe that we are all spirits. And we are given nine months to develop a body to contain that spirit. And you can call it a soul. You can call it yourself. You can call it whatever you want. But this is my belief. And when we are born into the physical world, we, you know, that those nine months, we're still in communion or conversational realm with the angels and other spirits. My oldest son was four or five. And he came to me, I didn't know it at the time, I had not developed to where I am right now. He came to me one day, and he looked up at me, he said, I remember when I was an old man, we did it this way. And I, I just kind of like, brushed it off like, Oh, okay. But I wish now that I had inquired a little deeper into that because I think he was probably um, experiencing a, a moment of memory from a past life, which is a whole nother story, a whole nother oh, show. Okay, okay. Okay. But I, I back to my angels and children, I believe that until children are discouraged from talking to angels, mm -hmm. they can continue to do so. And typically, age four, age five, they start going to school and they are that the memories of angels are quashed or put aside. Mm -hmm. So if her son is eight and he's still having imaginary playmates, I say bravo because they may not be so imaginary to him and they may not be just playmates. They may be angels. And who are we to think they aren't? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it could be uh, an ancestor who's passed on that he's playing with and talking with. My youngest son was 14 when he had a vision. He woke up from a, a sound sleep and started walking toward what he told me he later identified as dead men in the family. And he, he never met his father's father. I never met his father's father. He was dead when my, my ex was 14 when he, that man took his life. Um, but Matt met his grandfather. He was two when my father died. So he didn't have any, any relationships with his grandparents and great-grandparents. But he saw 12 men that were all related to him. And he started identifying them and he called them by name. He said, that was past Steve. That was grandpa Fred and on down. And, and there were people that I had never heard of. And when my brother did our family genealogy, I looked in the book and those were the people that Matt had identified. Wow. Now, he was 14 when he saw that. So that was but weird. the reason he did 
was he saw it when he was awake, but it he was basically introduced to the vision while he was sleeping. So there's a a veil or a curtain that separates the the two worlds, the spirit world from from the physical world. And a lot of times we cross that or open that curtain while we're sleeping. And that was what happened with Matt. He was sound asleep, woke up, and that dream base, you know, we, we think of these things as dreams, but sometimes they're not. They're actual visions. And uh, they're, they're a, a glimpse into the other side. So, Mary, any last words from Melissa? Enjoy it. And maybe someday ask if you can play with him and his imaginary friend. You'll have more fun than you can imagine. And there you go, Melissa. There you go. You've asked your question. You've got your answer. Mary, thank you very, very, very much for being here today. And Melissa, thank you very much for your question. We look forward to receiving more of your questions as you listen to Just Ask Mary. Because remember, all you have to do is just ask Mary. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday. We You're will welcome. see you next Wednesday. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That's our show for today. Please remember, if you have a question for Mary, email us at jamandbreadbeunique at gmail.com. That's jamandbreadbeunique at gmail.com.